Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm great. Glad to be at the end of a relatively long work week, so uh, it just felt long. You know, you've had those, I'm sure. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. almost every week, you know, except for when there's a deadline, and then it just goes by so fast, and you're like, uh, I've got to explain yeah, why I didn't the week get this go. Thing done. Right. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's been yeah, a it's, it's been a good week, good productive week, and we're ending on a very high note because we got some big stuff to talk about. Tonight, yeah. this is yeah, these are these are the wow factor. Okay, major major stories, kind of I don't know history making stories occurring this week. So I, I think we should waste no time, but uh, but jump right in here. The first one in breakthrough, scientists added a dangerous mutation from genes in human embryos. What the heck, Stephen? Tell me about it. Well, I mean, this is Gattaca, right? I mean, uh, yeah. and this this is not uh, some obscure publication or, uh, you know, um, marginally accepted science or anything like that. This is uh, in the journal Nature, right? Um, Scientists at Oregon uh, Health and Science University with colleagues elsewhere in California, China, and South Korea reported that they repaired dozens of embryos, fixing a mutation that causes a common heart condition that can lead to sudden death later in life. And uh, when I first saw this, uh, it was actually PJ Manning, our good, our good friend, has been on the show many times, who uh, had put it in her Facebook feed. And I, I, oh man, this is big. Read through the article, and uh, yeah, I mean, to me, the uh, it, it seems like uh, the obvious next steps are single gene uh, diseases like Huntington's disease and and uh, and sickle cell anemia, things like that, would be appropriate targets for for something like this. So. Uh, fantastic news and big, huge news. So, well, it's it's big. They've tried this before. You know, we've had CRISPR for a while now. They've they've tried to do this before, and they've had the problem that uh, some of the embryos, when they would apply the method they were using, would not come through disease free, yeah. um, or some would mutate in other directions. So, so there was either this problem of diseased or yeah, be cancer, cancerous. Yeah, yeah. Either you didn't solve the problem, or you initiated an as bad or worse problem with the, with the cancer. This time, no. These are these are embryos that they won't be allowed to go viable. But I mean, to to go to term. But obviously, they can't. But but if they did, the resulting people would not have this disease, and if they had children, those children would not have the disease. So, I mean, they have truly right. erased this thing Germ, from the... Germline uh, editing is what we're exactly. talking about here. Yeah. Exactly. And you're right, Stephen, the implications are there. I mean, as they, as they carefully say in the article, we're far from this, this being something that's ready for clinical use, but the implication is there, that no. if, if, if we can go in and make this change... What else can we change? And I think the single gene diseases are a fantastic place to consider starting. You know, you, right. you, you've got a you've got a human embryo that that carries that gene. Just 
goodbye, right? I mean, you get you, you get rid of it and eliminate the, the the disease occurring in that in that child. This is, I think, as big a breakthrough as we've seen all year. As big a breakthrough, maybe, as we've seen in in life sciences this decade, maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is this is really huge, isn't it? Well, it's you know, it's saying it's the, like the biggest breakthrough. There's the thing is, we have huge breakthroughs on a weekly basis. I mean, I know we do. That's why I'm I'm trying not to I'm, I'm trying not to go crazy, but this is big. <laughs> yeah, it is huge, huge. But comparing it to you know, like uh, the let's let's say what was the big uh, breakthrough we talked about last week, and that was the the Harvard uh, quantum computer, right? With how many yeah. qubits? 50, Fifty plus qubits. Right, and, you know where where uh, you know scientists have been saying that the, you know once we get it to fifty qubits, it, it you know we, we've gotten somewhere. This is it's going to be a useful device, and so right. we we got to that point last week. Now, how do you compare these two? You really can't. Well, I don't. You know? I, that's apples and oranges. I said in life sciences. Yeah, I, yeah, I said uh, in life sciences. That's true. If, if but if if you say in life sciences, Phil, that yeah, this could be the biggest breakthrough. In a decade, I, I guess I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but it's it's huge. To me, this is so. this is up there with in vitro fertilization. You think about what a game changer that was, what a complete paradigm shift that was. You know, when the first test tube baby uh, happened, um, and that's right. been decades ago, right? This is this is up there because it's that kind of sea change, right? It's that it's that kind of everything potentially is different from now on. Because they've right. established this is a proof of concept that this that this can be done, and you know I, I think what, what you know it, what it does is it just uh, it creates the uh, well for people that have like a, a disease in their family, and mm-hmm. you know they and they have made the decision you know I'm not going to have any biological children um, because you know I, I don't want to risk the chance uh, you know I've got a couple of uncles with that that had Huntington's disease or, or maybe I'm a little person myself and I don't, you know, and I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm afraid that my children might, might uh, be little people as well or something, you know, things like that. What, what if you make right. the decision you don't want to have children for those reasons, this sort of breakthrough, you could say, you know what? Um, I, you know, I, we can have children now. Uh, we right. can just screen the embryo for these, these particular, uh, problems that we're worried about and uh and if it's there we edit it out and uh and then we can you know go forward and that's uh that's an amazing thing personally for those for people that that's a concern for you know absolutely yeah and and just huge for anyone i mean down the road when as you say we'll be able to screen for conditions to learn about some potential debilitating or deadly condition in an embryo, at the embryo stage, and say, "Well, that's okay. We know how to fix that." I mean, it's just yeah. that, that is such a such a massive change from how life has always worked, and it sounds like unremittingly good news until you read this headline. <laughs> right? Ethical concerns yeah. over dawn of the designer baby. Campaigners warn breakthrough to remove faulty DNA could lead to creation of quote superior children with genes modified to improve appearance or intelligence. So there you go. I mean, you, they're, they're going to have to elaborate. Uh, you know, they're going to have to explain to me why the creation of children that are, you know, more beautiful and smarter uh, is a, is necessarily a bad thing. But uh, oh well, that's uh, 
call me crazy. I don't know. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Stephen, there's Gattaca. Okay. Yeah, right. I know that's Gattaca, but yeah, you, uh, you know, I mean, everybody was everybody was model good looking. Everyone's physical abilities were pre-programmed in to do you know anything that anything that they wanted to do, and everybody had a really high IQ to to the yeah. detriment of a few people who were born naturally. Uh, who didn't have all that stuff built into them, and who, you know, were kind of a persecuted minority as a result, right? Because they were, they were, they were kind of these these lesser, all natural humans, right? I mean, you and I, or anyone listening to this program, gets plopped down in the middle of that world, and we would be that, right? Yeah. So, I guess Faithful. the concern is, you know, if some people are doing that and some people aren't, you create this kind of permanent you know, master race you, you yeah this this yeah. um uh this overclass and then and then the people who don't get to do this or become become an underclass what do you think I, I i can tell already Stephen, that you're not taking this notion terribly seriously you know you, you just don't see the threat no because because the, the technology like this initially is very would be uh, very expensive and therefore would be the domain of the super wealthy right i mean the super wealthy get to have beautiful uh, you know super smart kids and the rest of us don't right well yeah. that 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 state of affairs lasts uh, about I know five years. You know it, it, the way these things go. Um, the uh, the way that uh, uh, you know the, the the cost of these things uh, decrease exponentially. You're having it. You know over you know just a few months time, and, and pretty soon uh, it becomes barely affordable for for most people. And then uh, you know, and then a year and a half, two years later, it's it's uh, it's it's so cheap that uh, it, you know it'd be unthinkable not to have that, not to use that technology. That's uh, that's where you know that's where you go with that. I mean that's and that's how fast the the the, the problem of there being a quote permanent underclass. Uh, that's how quick quick that problem goes away. So yeah, I think you know if if it were straight up testing for disease, no one even raises that concern. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm less worried about an, uh, a permanent underclass then I would say maybe we lose some of the just diversity that, that randomness yeah. creates in, in terms of how people look and just in kind of, you know what I'm saying? If, if, if it gets to the point where everybody's kind of picking, well, I want the super good looking kid, you know, with this body frame and the, you know what I mean? It's like uh, other body types, other face types and, and, and so forth will disappear, you know, you know, they're, yeah. and, well, arguably, you, know, you can say, like, "Well, that's the world's better because there's no ugly people." But you know, I don't know. It's, I'm sorry. What, well, what were you going to say? It, it, the thing is, uh, there was a there was a line in the novel Neuromancer, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to quote it, and I'm going to probably botch it up, and uh, maybe you can uh, give put the exact line in the show notes or something later, Phil. But uh, it was um, in in Neuromancer. Uh, uh, the writer said, uh, that "Can I take a stab? Age... I think I know. I think I know. I think okay. I know. It's okay. in, in an age right. of affordable beauty, he was remarkably ugly. Is that right? Something That's along right. those lines. Or yeah. in, in, in exotically ugly, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's. I can't remember the adjective, but he was. He was you know, damn ugly. This guy. Yeah. And, and to the point that he was striking, and uh, everybody, you know, he, he you know, he. <laughs> he, he was just something that uh, you know would attract attention, and people were interested in. You know, because right, he was, right." Um, so, you know, 
I, it's it's sort of like the uh, the, the star bellied sneeches or something, you know, in the children's book. That's uh, true. You know, uh, well, I have to I have to actually I have to change, say in fashion. Change. Yeah, in a world where people pierce themselves, tattoo themselves, do the things they do with their hair and their earlobes and everything, you know, other other parts of their body. <laughs> Probably I'm worrying about nothing, right? It's uh, right, you know, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I've told my kids, uh, you know, uh, be shocking. Don't get a tattoo. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, really stand out. Everybody yeah, be like, oh, what are you religious or something? What's your yeah? You know, yeah what's what's, your what's up with you with no tattoo? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I. I there, it's it's like the uniform of uh, of this uh, of the current young generation, I guess. Is you know everybody has it. So the, oh yeah, you know just just be different. Don't have it. You, you can know? let your freak flag fly by not having a <laughs> by not, not having, having a tattoo. Anything. And some people will let their yeah. freak flag fly by having kids without. As is the setup in the in the movie Gattaca. Some people just won't. They'll they'll be like, you know, maybe we'll take the disease prevention. Although there will be some people down. You look at the culture around vaccines, right? There'll be some people who won't right. even do that, right? They'll just, they'll, right. they'll produce, they'll produce natural kids. And then some people will produce kids that haven't been modified to look well, cookie you know, cutter Gattaca, pretty. Gattaca, like every sci-fi movie, practically, you know, every thoughtful sci-fi movie and, you know, it basically produces one new technology and here's the world as it would be with just this one development, right? And doesn't, yeah. doesn't think about the possibility of other developments uh, and what, what that would mean, uh, you know, in a world where you've got a full-blown Gattaca tech, I would think that you'd also have the opportunity to edit yourself, right? Change th- right. Thing, change things about yourself as an adult. Once you're that, up and running, uh, that's right. Once you're, yeah, once you're up and running, I, I don't think you're necessarily uh, in in a world like that, destined to always be in the, in an underclass. You can. Um, you know, if you've got a bunch of super smart geniuses wandering around, one of the things that they would work on is, well, how do we help people that don't, you know, that, that want to upgrade themselves once they're an adult? Right. Uh, and uh, I think those problems get solved, too. So, anyway. Absolutely. I mean, and and know, to be fair to Gattaca, they did, they, they did have space travel in Gattaca. They did have people yeah, that's colonizing right. other planets. So. And they had, they had a couple electric, things going on. Electric vehicles. <laughs> there you go. Very futuristic. <laughs> right. I believe their lapels were really wide or narrow or something, too. So you could really tell it was the future. Anyway, we, we move on. Uh, next story, artificial intelligence can stop premature aging. I love the headline because, as headlines so often do, it somewhat overstates the case. But you know what? Not too much. It doesn't overstate the case too much. And I think this is a, this is a really big story because we've talked – about the potential for this kind of thing. And it's great to see research going on here. This is at the University of Copenhagen. And they're talking about using deep learning to check for um, the, the correct gene expression to test for the potency of drugs, specifically around premature aging. I mean, they're really looking for things around Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cardiovascular diseases, but everything related to aging is, is in there. And, of course, the, one, one of the great tricks to solving these kinds of problems is, is to find the exact molecule, right, that's going, to, that's going to bring about the result that you're looking for. And we could have yeah. humans looking for decades, if not centuries, and look right past it. Right. I mean, it could, right. because right. there are so many possible combinations 
but deep learning is there to make it happen, right? It's, it's uh, as they say in the quote, already outperforming human abilities in many tasks, including imaging recognition. And, you know, the thought here is that it will really make a difference in starting to narrow down what might be effective treatments for these aging-related diseases. I think that uh, you could speak broader about what AI can will do, is, and, and and not just you know age-related diseases, but I, I suspect that uh, you know uh, the you know research for pharmaceuticals in general, um, mm-hmm. you know research into material science, and and you know uh, coming up with some you know exotic materials and things like that. I, you know AI is going to be involved in all these things because of its ability to work nonstop at, at, uh, at, at high speed, finding uh, solutions that are more optimal than uh, a, a researcher working his entire lifetime. You know, That's right. Just, uh, the, uh, there are billions, if not trillions, of chemical reactions yet to be observed or understood or for their implications to be worked out. We'll never get them all done, right? But, but AI right. can do it. Uh, it can, it can either, either simulate it or actually... Uh, you know, make it happen and and observe the results and and conclude right from the results. Actually, this 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 really ties into our conversation on Wednesday, right? It's like, you tell me, deep learning is not imaginative. It's not creative. Well, here is the thing it can do, right? Here's the problem it can yeah. solve that that we can't even that, that we can't and, even and, you know may, hope maybe it's solve. not imaginative the way we talk about being imaginative, but at some point that distinction doesn't really have a meaningful. But, you know, it, 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 there's no meaning to that distinction anymore. You know, uh, well, for certain tasks, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, um, that's as creative as you need to be. If you can, if, yeah. if, if, if you can do if that, you can, you're being creative enough. If you can come up with a solution to the problem, I'll give you creative. Okay, how's that? That's it's right. like I'll spot you creative, <laughs> because uh, you know, it's 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 ultimately it's more important to be effective, I guess, than creative. Although creative is important, don't get me wrong, and we will do, have done, and will do whole shows about the importance of, of people thinking creatively and thinking outside the box. But this is all inside the box, and it's huge. I, I'm I'm excited that they're doing it specific to anti-aging. But as as you point out, and 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 as the um, scientist is quoted here as saying, the area where artificial intelligence will have the most impact is drug discovery, generally across the board, and. Yep. And and I think, you know, I, I would even extend beyond that and say not just drug discovery, but just all kinds of material science discoveries that it's possible to make from from yeah. looking at molecular reactions, looking at chemical reactions. There, there's just there, you know, all kinds the, of stuff is going to be opening huge, up. A us. huge example is batteries. You know, I mean, we mm-hmm. there's so much that needs to be done with still uh, with uh, with battery technology and uh um, you know, we 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 want a uh, we want a world where we can drive around in electric cars that you know can can take us 500 miles between charges and it charges almost immediately and you know and you know, we don't have batteries like that yet, right? Um, but uh, you know, you, you get an AI working on the problem and doing uh, and doing the material sciences. You know, maybe in a few years we got something like that. And uh, and so yeah, I, I, I see a huge future. And, you know, well, and, you, you um, think about a story we haven't even talked about, but recently it was announced that they've discovered a catalyst that makes 
the, what do you call that, electrolysis of water into hydrogen and oxygen much more effective. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah, you're and then, then we, you know, we forget about the electric cars and just go to hydrogen cars. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's a recent discovery. They've been looking and looking. It's kind of like Edison looking for the filament for the light bulb, right? Yeah. What's the thing that you can put in here that makes it a lot easier to get the hydrogen out of the water? And they found something that they say, this might be feasible. This might actually give us the, the boost we need to make this an economically viable product to pull hydrogen out of water. Well, you know what? Sitting out there somewhere in chemical land, there might be something 100 times more effective than this, right? We just right. have to find it. And, and this, is the, this is the technique that could potentially lead us to that and dozens, hundreds of other things we're not even thinking about and won't even be thinking about until we hear the surprising news that some <laughs> deep learning system has come up with it and improved our lives immeasurably in ways that we didn't expect. It sounds yeah. like not a big story, i got to admit. Of the three we're talking about today, this one kind of sounds like the small one, but this is actually quite huge. It's huge that yeah. this research is taking place, and it's, it's huge to consider the impact that deep learning is going to have in this area and in so many other areas in the near future. All right, what's next, Stephen? Want to live forever, Phil, or at least oh, a long, sure. long time? <laughs> well, a uh, major breakthrough <laughs> in cryogenic freezing. Um, now this is big. This is what they're doing here is um, they're wanting to obviously wanting to preserve someone who is you know um, basically has died, right? You want they all you know if if uh, you're going to do this to a person, you have to wait until they're legally dead. All right. That's what, what you because what you're about to do to them would be would be legally murder. killing them otherwise yes. that's right and you would legally go to jail for <laughs> legally having committed murder technically you know? yeah my, exactly yeah. so my uh my my uh my legal advice is don't do that you know right yeah don't so, do that to anybody at any rate so uh but but they're, they're having a uh this huge breakthrough so phil uh um, what is happening here? Well, this is zebra. Uh, researchers so far have achieved achieved something like this in zebrafish. What's, what's the they've taken zebrafish embryos, they've frozen them cryonically, and revived a few of them. Okay, so it was about a ten percent uh, survival rate, but that's new. They, they they have never subjected anything to this process before, brought it back, and had it alive. That's like now they've got embryos that they can actually grow zebrafish from okay well, part of, part of the uh, part of the breakthrough here is basically something call, uh, that's that serves as an antifreeze to keep crystallization from happening when you put some somebody in deep freeze right right because it's right. the the crystallization within your blood that would do damage to your brain and your organs to the point that you wouldn't be viable uh to be brought back at all and uh so they're using gold nano rods as an antifreeze that's interesting so. Well, actually, I think I think that they're doing that in a, in, in addition to the antifreeze com compound, whatever that is. So it's I think it might be a double whammy here. Okay, they're, yeah, okay, they're, they're using okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, they're using a, a type of antifreeze, but they're adding gold nanorods. And uh, let's see, what's the point of that? Let's, uh, well, I guess what happens is the antifreeze was good in keeping damage from occurring while freezing, but you would warm up too slowly and then the damage would occur then now the gold nanorods if i'm reading this correctly lets you warm up at the right pace and so you can actually ah, avoid you can warm you can warm up quicker so that you don't get crystallization in the fallout process okay that's right all right that's right it's like okay. you can finally back out of the process at least 10 percent of the time you know 
But yeah. you can hear that and go, oh, it's only 10% of the time. What good is that? It's like, well, that's a lot better than 0% of the time, which is what we had before, right? That's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Absolutely. That is astounding Absolutely. success is what, is what that is. So uh, this, is, this is a real proof of concept. It's, uh, I went over to see if people in the cryonics community are touting this the same way. I wondered, well, maybe this is overstating the case. Maybe they would say that this problem has already been solved. But no, I went to the Cryonics Institute, and this story is front and center. Okay, they're they're right. talking about that. Yeah. This is big. This is this is very big, and and it's a it's nice proof of concept for them. And you know, as the story goes on to explain, this has implications not just for bringing people back from the dead, if you will, but it also has implications for. Uh, suspended animation for putting people into the deep freeze so they can travel through space or you know just travel through time essentially um yeah what if you could uh you know the part of the problem with uh, traveling to mars is you know obviously the resources needed to sustain somebody in the nine-month journey right but also yep. i mean uh shielding them from radiation on the nine-month journey well wouldn't it be a whole lot easier to shield what amounts to a coffin right right um than the entire spaceship and if you could you know so if you could put somebody um in in this deep freeze for the trip you probably saved them a lot of radiation damage as well as saved yourself a lot of a uh, lot of resources in sustaining them during that trip so and made it a nice uh, quick trip for them too right uh, there you go you know just as you, my, as they, my they, parents they, would tell me when i was little just take a nap and we'll be there before you know it so that's uh, right you know, they they thought they thought you out. Uh, excuse me. They they freeze you while you're uh, up in low Earth orbit, and they thaw you out once yep. you're on the surface of Mars. That's a nice short and trip. Boom! You're there, and wow! You go, hey, I'm here. That's that's pretty great. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, the implications for longer term star starships and and that kind of thing. We've we've all seen the movies, so so we know how exciting yeah. that is. Anyway, it's a it's a huge story. These are three really big stories, wow factor kind of stories, and just indicative, Stephen, of the times we live in, isn't it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Every one of these are huge, and 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 having done our duty, it being Friday, <laughs> we may now geek out. And I got nothing. Yep. So what do you got for us on the on the big geek out this week? Well, I want to start by saying you know we've been calling this other geek, and I like your suggestion for a new title to this segment, Phil. I, I like geek out. That's uh, that's that's a that's a better name, I think. So we're going to go. Well, it's a verb. With, you can geek out, and it's also a noun. Right. Hey, we're having a geek that's out. Right. You know, it's like a cookout. Right. Only so that's what we're going to call it from now on. And so if you know, if you find yourself confused, what happened to other geek? Well, it's you know, we're it's just going to geek out it's instead. A, it's a it's a rose by another name. You know, that's right. It's another other geek, if you will. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but well, we digress. Yeah, we digress big time. Well, uh, you know, uh, we normally do fun stuff like games or, you know, or movies or stuff like that that, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're geeking out about. This is a, a, a nonfiction book that I want to recommend to you, Phil. Um, of course, uh, you know, being a busy guy as you are, um, you know, I, mo- most of the, quote, reading that I do nowadays is uh, I listen to stuff on Audible. On, on, we have touted yeah. the benefits of Audible multiple times. Yeah, it's times. awesome. So, That's right. So this is, your, this is your latest Audible foray, a book called, tell us about it. S- Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And uh, it is awesome. You think, well, that's got to be dry. No, not at all. turns out that, uh, Phil, uh, people are uh, pretty interesting. Uh, we have an interesting uh, past, so uh, as, a, as a species. 
and uh, you know, uh, humanity uh, uh, once uh, consisted of many species, and uh, and and that in and the story of how we became one species is pretty interesting, and uh, and you know, it's it turns out that. Uh, um, we tend to make things go extinct. That's just that's kind of the one of the defining characteristics of, of humanity. And I don't say that in a misanthropic way. It's just you know, it's, uh, unfortunately, it, it has been a thing that has uh, characterized us. And uh, hey, I, my my hope is that we we advance far enough that feel that uh, going forward we uh, we bring species back. Right, uh, uh, many of the species that we had a hand in uh, exterminating. Uh, we that, you know that has been our legacy up to now is we we've been kind yeah. of a kind of a wrecking ball around other species, um, right? But we do have this idea, which no other species that I know of has ever had this idea of actually bringing species back. So yeah, well, you know maybe we get to correct that at some point. Well, I love the publisher summary here, the blurb here. They say a hundred thousand years ago, at least six human species inhabited the Earth. Today, there's just one. That's us, right? So that does sound like an intriguing story. I'm going to have to check that book out myself. That sounds like. Uh, some good listening right there. Oh yeah, and and it, there's there's some things that you, you know you'll you'll find disturbing, um, but you know in a good way. You know, I mean it's it, it, it it's a challenging book. Let's put it that way. There's uh, I, I suspect that nobody on you know pol- on the political left or the political right is going to be a hundred percent comfortable with this book. It's Interesting. Cha- it's it's a challenging book. And, uh, Interesting that I, it has I, I political you, ramifications. Yeah. I guess everything always oh, yeah. does, but uh, it always does. And uh, yeah. th- and and uh, this is not one that's going to make anyone 100 percent happy. But it, I, I think that it's it's a uh, it's uh, it's a remarkable book and and pretty pretty doggone close to the truth most of the time. So uh, I do en- encourage you to take, check it out. All right, everybody, check it out. Sapiens: A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. And that's going to do it for this edition of The World Transformed. Stephen, great talking with you. It's great having you all with us this week. We are going to be back next week with three brand new shows. And until next time, live to see it.